Welcome to the Idle Hand Society podcast. I'm Dan Higginson. He's Paul Bentz. Good afternoon, morning, evening. And we're joined today by the incredible, the one and only, Mimi Milika. Thank you very much. Hello, everyone. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. Generous introduction. Yeah. <laughs> A fair introduction. <laughs> Imagine yeah. music festival. Yeah. You get to choose the headlining act and the support act for the main stage. Ooh. Who's it going to be? They're all dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. No, you know, I since I was very little, I was a, a, a super fan of the Beatles. Okay. okay? Um, and as a Sicilian... Uh, born in 1975, he wasn't, uh, uh, you know, very, very, you you know, very much a known thing. And I had only a a friend in school, primary school, that had the same passion of me. So we were the outcasts listening to 60s music, no? But then my my, uh, taste of music became so wide and eclectic, that as with photography, I always find it very hard uh, to answer these kind of questions. So I'm sure that if I answer to you positively with something that I like, the moment after I will repent and say, oh, I should have included oh, that. I, yeah, okay? yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> So I can try and I can say that uh, I like, of course, the Beatles, but uh, uh, modern... Uh, Contemporary, I would put Outcast, Alicia nice. Keys. I would put uh, Billy um, Eilish. No, Billy Eilish, I like, but no, no, Billy Strings. Okay, Green, Green Grass. Oh, and I don't know music. That. Amazing, okay. really amazing. Okay, but then uh, I would also put uh, uh, Ocean Wisdom, hip hop, amazing British young kid. Really great. But then again, jazz music, I, I, you know, Kit Jarrett uh, and all the jazz ladies. So you see, it, there, there isn't any, any line apart from uh, the passion that I have for, for this music. If you listen to my mixtapes, yeah. <clears throat> you would go from hip hop to jazz to classic okay. to everything in, uh, in no time. Do you have your mixtapes on like, Spotify or something? They've been stolen. No. My mixtapes, no. my actual mixtapes, they've been stolen. In uh, Spotify, I have one uh, main compartment, one pool box, uh, which are the liked songs, which I put randomly in, and I always enjoy. And then I have my few uh, list, uh, playlists, depending if I have uh, people uh, for dinner. Then I put uh, a bit of uh, Brazilian uh, uh, music. Then... Uh, I, if I want to have a party or something, I have Mimi's party playlist. Then I have, uh, I don't know, classical with Chopin and uh, Bach and... Uh, yeah, properly eclectic. A little bit like your photography. Yeah. Yeah, it's like... Very much. From one moment to the next, there's like, like a real departure. Yeah. Right? That's really cool. Go on, Paul. What do you reckon? Who are you putting on, your, on the Bent's main stage? Oh, that's a really tough one. I'd really like... Nick Drake, myself, and maybe, you know, Joe, Bob Dylan, Nick Drake, Bob Dylan, Janis Joplin. I kind of like that old oh, folky, yeah. Yeah. you know, okay. flavour myself. Nice. Maybe um, the Beta Band. The who? The Beta. You don't know who the Beta Band I is? I don't. Oh my God. Well, I, let me introduce you to the Beta Band later. Okay. okay. They're, they're like, um, 
you like a mogwai kind of i'm in yeah sort sold of, sort of that sort sold of, but northern okay mogwai are scottish but you're saying what north north england right yeah north england yeah, okay yeah, yeah. i bloody love mogwai you ever seen mogwai live I have. Oh, I it's like a religious Royal, experience, isn't it? Royal Albert Hall. I and mean, honestly, it changed me as a person. Oh, I have really? never, ever had a, a musical experience like incredible. it. Incredible. It's like you're in a wall of noise, right? And it's, it's em, em, enveloping you is the only way I can describe it. And then it keeps coming as waves. It's like you're on a, like you're in the sea and it just keeps coming and growing and growing and growing. And there's these layers. And then you're like, whoa, my brain is. And you come out of it afterwards and you're like, like, you know, your ears are ringing and your body is kind of in this state of vibration. Your body's ringing too. Yes. Wow. It's an yeah, amazing yeah. Well, you have to send me a link. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, mind-blowing. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. is. <clears throat> really incredible. Really incredible. I've been diving deep on music recently because I've been making a playlist, like an Idle Hands playlist. Yeah. So we're going to start doing a newsletter. And as oh. part of that, there's going to be this churning because I bloody love music. I feel like all art is, <laughs> all art wishes it was music, right? Yeah. It's, it's the one thing it can bring you to tears it can make you really happy and it's like so fast it's immediate and complete do you think a photo can do that do you sorry think, do you think a photograph can do that do you think do you, have you have you ever been have you ever had that same experience of, uh, with a photograph as you've had with a piece of music well to me there is a, um a major factor the fact that how do you experience photography no mm-hmm. there is a different senses involved there is different times involved so you see a movie, you watch a movie or you look at a photo book or an exhibition or you listen to some music. The senses that you operate to absorb that whatever piece of art and the timings indeed are different. There is a sequential images. There is uh, one single image that has an impact, a very emotional or rational, whatever, tells a narrative that you can read with your heart or with your intellect. Uh, there is, you know, a variety of things. They, in, in, in movies, you have uh, sound, audio, you have uh, the, the sequencing uh, as well. With music, uh, it seems that you, you manage to absorb the sense of it in a flash. And then this flash, it's, uh, when the music is good, is only expanded. And it doesn't take anything away from that initial sparkle, okay? So I think that music indeed is more immediate. And uh, I don't know, also primordially must have something to do with our frequency, vibrations, and uh, whatever we have stored inside ourselves somehow. So... Yeah, I, I, I don't think photography is a complete piece of art by any means. Nevertheless, it's very enjoyable. And I, I find um, a lot of pleasure when I uh, take pictures, yeah? And there is that kind of spark that happens where you, you know, what Cartier-Bresson used to describe as the, <gasps> you know, that kind yeah. of moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nowadays, uh, the more uh, books I collect uh, and read and, you know, and go through, the more I'm starting to have uh, a similar feeling when I turn a page and I look at something that really resonates. So I enjoy fully photography, but music, there's no competition, I think. 
No. It's amazing music. Yeah, it's, it's really, incredible. It's yeah. incredible. I can't remember who it is that said all art aspires to be music, but it's true. Yeah, like, it's true. look at music is is understood, taken, and replicated by kids. Yeah, since they're yeah, born. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever we do is uh, a different uh, declination, articulation of music and sound. We, even when we whistle or when we hum or when we uh, apply a rhythm to our steps, it's everywhere music in the rain, in the washing machine that goes. I have, I have uh, recorded my washing machine so many times in my life because there were some serious bits going on there. <laughs> totally random. And that is music too. Yeah. So music is truly everywhere. And yeah, so yeah, the best. Do you listen to music while you photograph? No, I never listen to music when I'm out on the streets. Never. I, I'm a control freak. I want to hear everything else yeah, that too. is around me. I never close myself with, uh, with music because for me it's a very immersive experience music. And I do whether one or the other one. And, uh, you know, I have friends that go on the bicycle or, uh, or walk, uh, whatever, from A and B, and they have their own beautiful head, headsets, whatever, headphones. I could never fucking do that, you know? You I, want to be plugged into the rhythm of the street, right? Yeah, totally, totally. Also, apart from the fact that it's dangerous if you listen to the music and you don't listen to a, you know? Yeah, yeah. You might uh, incur in an accident. But when I take pictures and... The, the accident is not in the equation. I want to be aware of what's going on. I've always been. For me, being aware, being sharp on the streets is the, the first thing. I mean, sharp, by, by saying sharp, I don't mean uh, utterly sober, because I also enjoy my drunk pictures whenever um, in my past life I was g- going out uh, often and take pictures at night time. Always have to be aware, even after a few drinks, music would uh, just absorb the, the whole of me. Mm. It's distracting, right? What yeah. about when you're uh, like when you're editing or post processing? That one is more of a thing. Spliff and music yeah. and whiskey or wine, they go very well with editing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then again, the editing process as well, it's a complex one that happens. You know, you can have a few intuitions. You can do something now, but then you need to sleep on it and, uh, you know, take it back uh, with a very sober sober and, and, and cold and clear. Like a revisit. Yeah, yeah. totally. And, the, and you go back and forth between intuitions and reading, reading and intuitions, intuitions and reading, until you manage to do something that makes a little bit of sense. Yeah. Very difficult eating, uh, editing your own work. Really difficult. I hate editing. I, I love it, but it's difficult. I mean, I prefer edit uh, somebody else's work because I'm I'm freed yeah, by the yeah, constraints yeah. of your own uh, ego that uh, have to drive yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and that feeling of what's what's the uh, what's the adage? You need to kill your babies. Yeah. Like it's really hard when you're looking at your own photographs to go, oh, this one isn't as good as the rest or doesn't fit this sequence. If you've got this attachment to it. I think when you're editing someone else's, that's why I think it's so important to have somebody else look at your work. Totally. Yeah. And you've got to get over that initially, that, that love for those photos. You've just got to let them go. You've just got to put, set them free almost, right? There is a, like, you've just got to be completely, like, 
take this. There's going to be some that you're going to love and some you're going to hate. And I'm going to trust what you say because I value your experience. And you get a load of people. I think that, that you get a kind of a you know five, six, seven, eight people, and you kind of working at averages and what what works then. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's yeah. really difficult, though, isn't it? I still find that really a difficult process, a torturous process. Yeah, it is it is. I still remember when we were. So I helped Paul sequence. Um, you bought a book out fairly recently, not so far. Yeah, a while um, ago. I guess, when was that? Last year, no. Oh, was it really a year ago? But we had, what was it, like two, three hundred prints, and they're all up on that wall. We're kind of digging through them and having some pretty intense disagreements about what was good and what wasn't. And yeah, I don't know. I feel like that process is super important. I think it's the most important of them, right? I actually, because... Like again, you've, 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 if you've photographed a project for a period of years, you almost become blind to it in a way after a period of time, and you, you like you forget what you've taken as well. Like memory, like you know, my short-term memory is so rubbish that I might have taken a photo last week, and I for, you know I'm taking so many photos that yeah, it's gone. It's in it's in some digital art drive. It's sat there, and until you go back and look through the work again, I think that's the other thing. You know, going back and looking over your work continuously something i do i love a slideshow with a bit of music yeah and a spliff i can just sit and watch photos okay i get it totally. I, yeah it's like it just takes you to that i i think there's something like music and photos together i've always loved those two things slideshows like that's my heaven <laughs> <laughs> yeah. slideshows when you do it on the um, on those apple computers if you set it up as your screensaver it's like hitting shuffle isn't it on a playlist yeah it just I like that frames one. That's on my one. Do you know the one yeah, I know. downstairs yeah, in the I, kitchen? I've got the exact and it's same literally, one. it just does random. And it, what's interesting about that is it's picking random photos and putting them side by side. And sometimes something really interesting happens. You go, oh, fuck, that's really cool. And that's just happening by coincidence, by, you know, luck. And I think sometimes you just got to, you know, trust that little spark that, that puts you somewhere and then run with it for a bit. I think that's really interesting, you know? So what are you looking for? What's, what's a good photo? Oh, there's no, that's a, such a million dollar question. I know, right? There's no good photo, is there? Is, or every photo is a good photo? No, 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 no. I think that, uh, you know, there, there is, you know, if you uh, want to address what is a good photo, then I have immediately in the mind whatever comes from, uh, from you know, from street sourced material somehow. Of course, there is the studio photographs, the portraits, the, the things that are amazing. But to, to me, the real essence of photography is um, within the streets. And not because I define myself as a street photographer, but because the one element, magical, magical element of photography is that uh, moment that encapsulates, uh, uh, you know, concepts, ideas, emotions that come together in the frame for one fraction of a second, and the photographer has the skills, the presence, or the luck to have captured that. And uh, and then everything else adds to, to it. You can find amazing, as I said, photo photographs that belong to portraiture or still life, even anything really can be landscape, but... The photograph that um, that works, yeah. where everything within that frame makes sense and is placed in the right position at the right time, that is something that really emotions me. Is there a picture that's springing to mind right now 
that feels perfect. It could be one of your own, it could be somebody plenty, else's. Plenty. Less of the ones I took, more of the ones. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> same, 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 same. More of the ones that I've seen uh, in the tradition from, uh, you know, from Kertetz to Bresson uh, to Alex Webb. To, oh my God, Alex you know, Webb. To, to, you know, you name it. Yeah. Uh, but, but then again, I, I keep on discovering uh, younger or newer photographers that are mind blowing. And they are totally different from the tradition of uh, uh, Bresson and black and white uh, uh, street photography. And they are more elaborate or just different, whatever you want to say. But So it's a continuous source of inspiration for me. This is the reason why I utilize social media uh, on a daily basis. More to discover work, more than, uh, more than saying my own say about things. Yeah. So social media for me is wonderful because, you know, you keep on being bombarded with the images that, uh, and, and some of those are fantastic and you discover new work, new people, new things, new trends. Amazing. So, yeah, great. Is there anyone you found recently? That... Yeah, but I cannot remember the names. I always forget them. I know. I know. I've got the worst. There memory. is an Indian guy that is mind-blowing. They utilizes a light that is fantastic. It's really cinematographic. In, in that uh, it looks uh, very much like staged uh, kind of lighting and he's not. Right. And he, and he knows, this guy knows how to capture lights. It's like he, he, he has it within him. You sniff it out. Yeah, totally. Mm. His name must have uh, some sort of why within. Um, you see, this reminds me something that I always said to myself, whenever I discover a new photographer, I will screenshot the Instagram account or whatever website, and I will eventually produce a list. And I started doing this, but not with the new ones, <laughs> only, with the, <laughs> only with the usual suspects that I need to uh, list during a lecture or whatever. Uh, but uh, yeah. I will go back and uh, and look at it. I have my phone in airplane mode at the moment, but as soon as I we will finish, I will go back and go on Instagram or Facebook and remember even when I've seen it, where I've seen it, and we'll uh, remember the name. Yeah, Mimi, you must have spoken spoken to a lot of photographers. Have you ever come across anybody with like like the real self belief, but all their images are great? Like, okay, this is good. This, uh, you know, that real like sort of. You like, mean a wanker? It's not, yeah. <laughs> but maybe not a wanker because I think there's a lot of I think it's difficult as a photographer if you if you do come across as arrogant or but there's a fine line right but there's some there's some I was thinking of Bernadette who isn't a wanker who's an artist she's not a photographer but she the, started shooting what is she yeah but she has this drive which is really interesting that I I a belief in herself in her work right and I I kind of find it's quite I don't know I kind of find that quite. Um, attractive as a British person who's constantly, you know, the, the British whole, the whole thing is like, we're a bit shit. <laughs> very self-deprecating. Yeah, right? very yeah, self-deprecating. Yeah. And I was just wondering, considering you must have spoken to a lot of photographers over your time, like has anybody you ever come across some, you don't have to name names, but who has that inner belief that their work is that good that it should be, I don't know, up there. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, well, I plenty. I mean, uh, from and do you think? Do you think? Do you think that matters? Like, do you think in terms of achievement and achieving in the in the in the? That's what I, I think want. that it, the, there is a very good element of this. Okay, yeah. uh, you obviously you cannot uh, allow this element to uh, um, 
deplete into arrogance and sheer stupidity, but believing in your work, appreciating and respecting your work, I think it's a very important step for you to move forward and to make your work um, having some sort of sense for others other than from you. Because if you believe in your work, you will want to create outputs, you will want this work to be seen, and therefore you, you, you start moving the whole machine. Um, however, finding people that have a, a very good balance between believing in the work, thinking that is good, and not being arrogant is, you know, unfortunately is a little bit more of a rare yeah. uh, thing. Um, and also, mind you, be, be always conscious of uh, uh, yourself when you confront yourself with others, because yourself, your own ego, when you measure yourself with others, can come in between and um, uh, spoil the reading that you would have of that person. Meaning, if you speak to someone who believes in, in their work and uh, uh, the work happened to be fine work and you look at that and you might sometimes have a little ego that, uh, you know, as, uh, you know, start making you uncomfortable and uh, you wish you were him or her and you wish you were believing in your work and then your frustration come through and then your vision comes blurry yeah. and you don't know anymore how to judge or consider that person. So your self element when you consider others, is always very, very important. And I tend to struggle with my own ego a lot. I don't have the ego when I run my workshops, when I lecture, I, I really become kind of Buddhist. Uh, and that's magical for someone like me, because usually my ego is far too um, big and comes very often in the equation. Any dirt is the way I experience the uh, world, uh, I experience things, and I produce my own work. I wish I had the same few, least, uh, the few very little tiny degree of, of ego that I have when I teach photography or when I um, run a workshop. But, you know, you cannot have it all. But is that just putting the student first, though? Totally. Yeah. You you know that you your knowledge your experience is at service of someone else, and you have the moral obligation of uh, making the most out of that experience. And uh, also, if you have a, a real passion for photography, eventually you have to reduce your ego, whether you like it or not, whether you want or not. It becomes an automatic thing if your passion for teaching is true. Yeah. And this happens quite naturally with me. And um, in fact, I, I have only had very great experiences with, uh, with my workshops and with teaching. Really, really beautiful. And I think that this is because I uh, reduce my, my ego um, and I let, uh, I give space to others to present the work, to articulate the thoughts, and I can support that thing. You see, I, yeah, having a supportive role more than anything else. How long have you been lecturing now? 
lecturing in the uni officially only since uh, a couple of years. I started three years ago, something like that, in Holloway, London Met, and then I went on to uh, London Met uh, Allgate and University of East London. And I do only, you know, two days a week or one day a week from January, um, which is cool because I have the time to do my own things. Yeah. But I've been running workshops since 2011, and the two things are not too dissimilar. Do you feel like those workshops and those lectures have informed your own practice? 100%. 100%. I've learned so much. And, uh, you know, I don't believe on the fact how oh, you learn from students. You might get lucky to have a student that inspire you. Uh, but to me, the, the learning bit comes from the fact that you are forced to break down concepts, to study photographers, to analyze things in order to be able to acquire clarity that allows you to deliver concepts, ideas, and you know, information um, seamlessly and flawlessly. And this continuous research and continuous thinking process then enriches your own practice, you know? That makes so much sense. Yeah, I've, never, I've never thought about it like that. The way that you you have to break down those concepts yeah. and someone else teaches you something. I've I never you, really considered yeah, that. You have to do so much research, right? I bet your time is like Googling constantly like, different photographers, the way they work, processes, Absolutely. reading. He's right? a Google it's, ninja for sure. He's <laughs> <laughs> got his black belt in Google. <laughs> no, but then then is is very important because you know, you you know, there there are authors such as David Company. Yeah, David. Who is such a marvelous His genius, right? such a marvelous mind. No, yes, not only his profound knowledge, but the way he delivers, he delivers it. extremely complex concepts with, as, as he's drinking a clear glass of water. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's unbelievable. And then you go, you know, you say, I get it. Yeah. He's like... Uh, have you Marcus. met David? Have you oh, ever, yeah, he's yeah. my very good friend. Is he? Okay, interesting. And, and also he's going to be one of the next uh, special guest tutors at the CC Photomaster class together with Maria Maatta. Okay. Uh, but I, I know David since uh, many years, since possibly, what, 2002, 2003. Okay. Um, yeah, we're very good friends. I love him. And he is one guy that, uh, you know, I can definitely say that, that he pushed me and my work and introduced, you know, he, he kind of offered me the very first big break. I'm in street photography now because of him. Mm. I was published in Sea Photo magazine from Ivory Press because of him. I exhibited the, yeah, the Jervood space because of him. Mm. Um, I found out the format of Terra Nostra in terms of book because of him. David is a precious person. Um, I owe him a lot, a lot. Does he live? Is, is he London-based, David, or not? Is he well, in New York, London, London and yeah. then now more often in London. Okay, okay. Yes, but you know, he introduced me to you know when when I was uh, uh, to um, producing Terra Nostra, I wasn't sure about the size and format of the book, and I went to see David, and we had a look. Uh, uh, through quite a few of his books, and he showed me this incredible book by Jaromir Funke, a Czech photographer from the 
early 1900, mid, you know, up until 1950s, something like that, 1940s. An incredible book called Photograph, or Photographs, Jaromir Funke. And I took exactly the same format of the book, uh, the same size, the same aspect ratio. And, um, you know, this is one of the many things that I have to thank David for. And and this is the least one that is of of importance. But when he introduced me to Stephen McLaren, uh, the author of Street Photography Now, then a new chapter of my life. uh, How old were you then? I don't remember. <laughs> that long ago. I'm really, I'm really bad in arithmetic. I'm, I'm good in maths, conceptually, ideally, uh, but I'm not good in arithmetic. So it was 2010, 2011, I think. Uh-huh. About the time where Magic did uh, the book, I think, more or less. Um, and then after that, with Stephen, I, 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 I did other three books with them, with Thames and Hudson. I mean, I, I, I was featured in books. Street Photography Now was the first one. Then there was Photographer's Sketchbook, which yeah, is yeah, now super precious. Well. Brian Formals, right? Was Brian, mm. Brian Formals? In, yeah, yeah, and Stephen McLaren. Yeah. And then Family Photography Now, again with uh, Sophie Haworth. Sophie, yeah. Haworth. And then, <clears throat> that's it, I think. Yeah. But... Great, great uh, chapter in my life. But that was the time where uh, Enrutto Dakar uh, was being also awarded, exhibited, uh, published. So th- th- there's been a big thing with uh, that piece of work, of which I have to still do a yeah. monograph. What are you working on now? I'm working on uh, two, three projects of my own uh, and a book that I'm producing now with my new-ish work, uh, Moon City, the one I photographed uh, from my balcony with a telescope. And it's uh, we are in, uh, currently uh, on the last adjustments of the book design and sequence. And it looks really, really good. And yes, I had a chat with Ramon Peds, a very good friend of mine, book designer. And more than a book designer, I mean, book designer as a curator, more than a graphic designer, someone that does the mise en page. Uh, so it's, it's a genius guy. Uh, I'm working, uh, though, with uh, Victoria Forrest, who's another amazing book designer with fantastic ideas. And uh, yesterday we had a chat, I showed him Victoria's uh, sequence, and we had a very, very good constructive chat. He suggested a few uh, things that uh, I researched uh, independently, but I found a uh, uh, great, great confirmation by Ramon. And I think that the book will come out beautifully. When is it going to come out? You think? I don't know yet. Uh, I don't know. We are still designing. We have to, we have to still uh, decide if uh, I will self-publish or find a publisher. I would rather self-publish. I'm incli- inclined in self-publishing, but you never know. And then we have to find the format, the paper stock, the da 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 But the main difficult bit is finding a good sequencing. It is mm. the biggest uh, bit. What, what, what's your process then? Is it the same as everybody else? Print them all out, stick them on the wall, move them around? Usually I do, but usually I do these when I work with analog. Okay, okay. And I still work with analog. When I work with digital uh, thing, 
the you know photography. I I hate it and I hate to say it, but I I, I print only later on. I I I like to start a process in a way and finish it uh, organically. So if I work with analog photography, I will produce my own contact sheets. With the contact sheets, I will select the ones that make it to the first big selection, print images, and then out of those printed images, I start shuffling about. But if I work with digital, I use Bridge, which is practically some sort of uh, like a digital desk, table. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. However, I did print um, East London Up Close, which was done digitally. So, okay. the, you know, I'm going to tell you about a good app, everybody. There's a good point to tell you. There's, there's an app called FreeFlow, and it's basically like a light table. You can just drop all of your photos on it, and it's a massive white background, and you can just move, and it's so simple. Uh, like Miro. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. a whiteboard. Yeah, like a whiteboard. Yeah. And you just drop them all on and then you can oh, that's cool. put them on all your screens, you know, and it's it's good. It's good. It's yeah. good. really simple as well. You just literally put a folder of images, drop them in, and then just move them freely yeah, and scale yeah. them really easy just by pinching. And oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Is that for like, what is that? Like it's for an iPad, iPad, thing iPad, yeah. iPad or. Having said that, uh, eventually I will print my stuff. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. we'll see how it works, how it flows, because turning the pages. It hits that different, right? Yeah, that totally, physical interaction totally. hits different. And because it will become a physical thing, then printing becomes nece- necessary. But at the moment, I haven't. Uh, I, I did print. Uh, Moon City, but I haven't laid it out. I only done the selection of the most successful images. Um, I I will see. Maybe as soon as I have uh, close to be a definite selection, I will print the the size. You know, the the magnitude of whatever I lay on a table will be reduced, contained, so I can physically juggle them. And then it will be good. But at the moment, I haven't relied on the printed matter in order to do the sequencing. I think you gave us, what you came in and did a talk at LCC um, where I'm a student. And I think you gave us a little sneak peek at that Moon City yeah. project. Yeah. What I've seen is very cool. It's not like anything I've seen before. No. It's very cool. Yeah, the, yeah. These are, are you allowed to talk about it a little bit and what yeah, it's about? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. cool. I haven't signed. I, I haven't signed any NDA. <laughs> so you self-published. Well, sometimes, sometimes people, you know, people like to keep their cards close to their chest. Sometimes, but <laughs> no, no, no. I think it's beneficial to talk about it rather. Yeah, totally. So yes, Moon City is is, is a dialogue that I've created between the natural force uh, embodied by the moon. And the human, man-made, uh, capitalist element uh, represented by the empty uh, buildings of the city of London, which are opposite my balcony. And uh, um, my my take on it is some sort of uh, uh, poetic uh, encounter in a moment where we have reached an apex, uh, a climax in uh, in in this uh, um, sort of uh, clash between nature and us, where we're at, uh, you know, the environment is going bananas. Uh, we have uh, fucked up 
Big Time, Capitalist uh, Capitalism Just Doesn't Work, and it makes us all worst human beings. And uh, I think in this moment, having uh, a quieter, more poetic uh, representation of this clash, uh, you know, in the form of two main elements, which are the city of London, the buildings, cold buildings, almost film noir uh, uh, element, and the moon, which is poetic, is uh, comforting, is, uh, is uh, multiple... Uh, has multiple identities somehow for whatever we see on it. I think it's a good uh, reflective moment. You said there was a link to a book when you were chatting to us, didn't you? That um, Was it a novel or was it a poem? I, I can't yeah. remember. There is several. One, what, what you are referring about is, uh, referring to is Pirandello's Ciao la scopre la luna, which in English is uh, The Crowd Discovers the Moon, which is a story of this uh, poor uh, and a little bit slow miner who was forced to work on the mines until late at night uh, from his uh, ruthless uh, uh, master. And uh, when, you know, this, this guy, Ciaola, was a little bit you know, slow and, you know, really scared about the dark, but not the dark of the mine to which he was used to, but he was scared of the, of the coordinate less uh, dark of the, of the hills, of the outside. But when he came out, finally, uh, after the, the night shift, he saw... Uh, the contour of the hills around of the Sicilian countryside. And uh, he was able to see this because of the full moon to which he looked up and, you know, in, uh, in awe and he started crying as uh, thanking the moon for this gift. Uh, and that was very poetic. But also there is Italo Calvino's uh, The Distance from the Moon, which is a fantastic reference uh, where there are some passages that I'd like to use uh, for uh, Moon City. But then the text should be written by uh, possibly uh, Rhiannon Adam and uh, Brad Farrellen. So we have enough text that we could uh, uh, use and within which my work could be framed. So I'm confident and I start feeling a good friction between my idea, my vision, and what actually is becoming. Because up until uh, I have given, I, I haven't been given the work to Victoria, I was quite lost. And Victoria uh, really offered me um, uh, a chance to have a look at my work from a different perspective. She's really, really good. Victoria, who is it? Sorry? Victoria Forrest, oh, Vika okay. Books. Okay, Vika Books. Okay. She's done a few, a few good books. Uh, one with uh, Martin Parr, one with Bo Paul Graham. Then the latest one that I know of is uh, with uh, Roland Ramanam. Yeah, yeah, we uh, had Dominos. You, you helped sequence that, yeah. didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you see, I did uh, the work that I could do, and then Victoria did the work that she should have done, and she did brilliantly, uh, putting in pages. And of course, the edit, when you think about uh, the edit as a linear output is a different thing than whatever you put, you translate into book form. And there I couldn't help, while Victoria was, you know, perfect. In fact, the book is fantastic. He's in. Yeah. I'm really excited to see Domino's. Yes. I'm really excited to see Domino's. And also refreshing to have, uh, again, something that is uh, 
fact, factual, fact-based, how do you yeah. say factual? Factual, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yet poetic, yet generous, uh, considerate, but really still as that, that kind of uh, uh, raw and real uh, element to it is refreshing because now a lot of photography is staged, is performative, is self-oriented, and this altruistic view on the outside, I find it really refreshing. What, what, Without what? being traditionally boring reportage, you get yeah, me? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. But there one. is a lot of boring reportage out there as well, isn't yeah. it? Repeated over and over, yeah. the same thing, and you're looking there and you're going... You're not telling me anything, Neil. No. There's no, there's no narrative here other than it's the same thing, over and over. I was going to ask you about um, something we've talked a couple of times about about how almost, and I don't because you're a lecturer as well. Maybe it's quite prescient. Is how maybe street photography within academia is slightly frowned upon, and this idea of it's a, a lesser art form. Does that make sense? Have you have you, well, have you felt that before? Like the I, ethical, the, the ethical, ethical, the ethical side of it. You know, in that how how we. You know, this it's been a big, it's been a massive debate, right? It's been a debate for years in, in and and how how you yourself take pictures with it, with ethical considerations and how you how you operate as a photographer in in that world and what your feelings are on it, really. Well, the ethical question is uh, uh, one to consider. Yes, of course, you don't want to invade too much. Uh, the privacy of others, uh, the, despite the fact that once you once you hit the road, your private self uh, has to be put uh, on the side anyway, because you know you you don't go masturbate on the Kingsland High Road. <laughs> Speak no, for yourself. Because, uh, <laughs> last night, what are you on about with me? Your, your privacy, your privacy is obviously limited. Anyhow, <laughs> however, you yeah. do have uh, that element that there's come since uh, social media and exchange of visual information that is possibly a little bit excessive. But for me, the main issue is not the ethical, but is the, the fact that the people get more and more angry on the streets when you, when you take pictures. And I think this is very frustrating. I don't like confrontations. I've been in uh, zillions of arguments and things. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm also, I've also grown very subconscious. And I hate that when I take pictures, I I, I can feel someone looking from my back, uh, like yeah, almost horrible breathing feeling. on my neck and, and being judgmental and, and minding my own businesses when they shouldn't. And um, I hate all of these. This frustrates the creative process. So, you know, I still take pictures on the streets, but... Uh, there are some that I lose, that I miss, that I, I don't have the guts to take. To take and, mm-hmm. uh, and I I don't forgive myself for this. I feel shit and it becomes all very stressful. Still, I do it, uh, but I, do, I don't do it uh, with the same immediacy that I used to do, mm-hmm. uh, that I used you, to have you, before. You kind of, as you, as you age, you kind of almost, what's the word? Do you think that's what it is? I don't know. So, so is it like... Is it modern society that's well, getting was, more and more private or is it we're getting older and more self-conscious? Well, I was thinking about Trevor Weiskup, right? So there's a street photographer from New York called Trevor, and I'll tell you why it's relevant now, is that he's a young guy and we, he did a video recently on on YouTube with... Uh, Paulie B. Paulie B. And it was quite... He was playing up to the camera, first of all. We'll say that, right? We'll, I'll caveat this all. But it was really... It was like he was out... It was like a young Bruce Gilden is the only way I can describe it. You know, his camera in face, but... Slightly kinder. 
slightly slightly less tighter. less less abrasive less Gilbert. abrasive but there was there was an energy to him and i really i really i i, I remember myself like 20 years ago and i was i thought it's, it's definitely something that as a younger younger man you're less maybe it's fearful or maybe like because you spent 20 years understanding and researching and speaking to photographers, you understand the world in which you live in. And whereas at that point in your career, you're so early on that you don't have any of those preconceptions of what it is. You're just out taking pictures. And there's something beautiful about that. I think there's I'm something- also going to throw it out there though. I, I didn't really understand this until I went there, but New York's got a very different energy. The energy of New York, it doesn't feel like such an issue to be doing that. That doesn't feel like an abrasive thing to be doing. And I'm sure you get into the occasional argument there doing it. But if you shoot in the way that you shoot in London, in New York, it's like, I don't know, you've almost got to be a little bit more aggressive. You look at the way they drive out there and stuff. There's, there's a bit more of a... But it's you, isn't it? It's not, it's, you're not reacting to where you're going. It's you as a person who's taking the picture. So if you go to New York, you yeah, think yeah. you would change the way you take a photo? Um. I felt it like I was in New York and I felt like a little bit more able to that immediacy that you were talking about earlier, Mimi, like where, where you were saying that there's, there's a hesitation when you're walking around London and you feel like a bit self-conscious about it, that there's, there's an energy in New York that, I don't know, it suppresses that a little but bit. But I, I think you can, I think it's almost like a mindset. I actually believe that you can, if you, if we all walked out the street this morning, I said, right boys, we're going to go out, we're taking three photos, we're going to be fully on it. I reckon it's kind of, you can put yourself into a state of mind where you're, you're almost, I'm not, I'm trying to find like, there's an energy that you can take and you've got to, it's got to be a right energy. You've got to be in the right mood. But if you go out, I think you, you you go and take pictures of how you're feeling, right? They reflect how you're feeling at that moment. Like, like I just think it's almost, it's you, it's internal. I, I think it's than, half and half. I, I think a place does also have an energy and I know that you bring your own into it and that is huge and not to be understated but i think also places have an energy and i i think the people talk about like there's been rap songs about the new york state of mind you know what i mean like there's 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 a different energy in new york than there is in in anywhere else i've been and i've been to a bunch of different cities like i think it's it's a special place i just think it's busy right it's a busy city it's a really busy Busy, lots of people. But then again, I feel like if you go to Oxford Circus, I think you you can feel like you're in New York pretty quickly. <laughs> you know, on a Christmas yeah, I shopping don't know. day. I, I, I don't know. I think I think that energy. I don't know. I I, I personally think the energy comes from you. And yeah, w- maybe. whether whether right, I'm right. in you know downtown Manhattan or in Oxford Street in London, it, it's my state of mind that's going to produce the work. People talk to other people, though. Uh, I've noticed that if you. In a lot of places in the States. Right, Joe. That was my New York accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really I bad. Mean, <laughs> it doesn't matter where you are in the States. It feels like people are a lot more um, into their community and they'll stop and have a chat with a random stranger. And in, in London, everyone... But that's in South like Wales too. To- that's in South London. I can go down my street. But I think, again, I, I'd argue the point that it's you. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Maybe you're just in holiday mode and you're having the best you, I time. I think you've just got to put inviting yourself... Inviting conversations in. I, I think know. as a photographer as well, I think it's part of your role sometimes is to put yourself in that receptive almost open wherever wherever the camera takes me i'm gonna go almost right and and you know whether you're in new york or you know bloody wandsworth i think it's the same i don't know i maybe i'm wrong maybe I, you're right I, mimi what do you think i think that uh, you know the the, the a different context uh, offering different uh, or revealing different uh, characteristics of it is something that 
definitely a photographer responds to. Yeah. Uh, the internal frame of mind, the, the, the personal uh, photographic attitude that you employ to take pictures is then again a, 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 an element that, uh, you know, will drive you to take whatever sort of pictures. Like, for instance, you mentioned before Bruce Gilden. In Bruce Gilden images, which I love, if if you see the work from uh, Ahiti uh, or maybe other work from Coney Island, uh, it's very different from the ones of uh, Manhattan with the flash and is yet again different from the one that he's doing now. Um, and it's not really my kind of photography. I mean, I did employ a bit of it uh, in uh, East London up close, where I was very close to the people, flashing uh, in daylight, and that is the closest I, I, I've been to the Bruce Gilden kind of attitude. But to me, I prefer the observational work, where you're a little bit more distant, you look at things, and you observe a scene, and you don't need to point at one element, but you invite the viewer to look at all the frame. And therefore, they, they, there is more of a observational and laid back uh, uh, attitude yeah, yeah. from the photographer. But then again, each city gives you different vibes, and uh, each city has different characteristics. And uh, you know, you, you mentioned New York, we mentioned London, but even Palermo. Palermo is super great to take pictures of, and 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 it's got nothing to do with London nor New York. Mm-hmm. So the energy of Palermo, I don't know how to compare it to London because, I, and I know three the, the three cities, you know, New York not that well. I've only been once, but uh, I know London and Palermo very well. But I couldn't define the, the difference in energy. They have different energies, but I wouldn't be able to break it down now. Thing is that there is one thing, who is more self-conscious or not? So Palermitan are not self-conscious at all. They just don't give a fuck. <laughs> Pretty much like New Yorkers. London people is very self-conscious. You know, it's not only you and the things that you do, but it's you, the things you do, and how you are perceived from others. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, excuse me, I beg your pardon. All this bullshit <laughs> think, uh, slows down your, your daily routine a lot. But I'm I'm kind of British because I've been in here for 27 years. Yeah, so sure. I, I I also grew self-conscious, you see. Um, <laughs> how many do, times do you say I'm sorry a day? I don't know. This is the test. This is the test for how British you are. Yeah, you yeah, say yeah. we say I'm sorry. I do you know so sometimes I wait for people to go these days before if I'm taking a picture of something that's like, you know, an object on the street. I wait for people to go before I tell I just feel I just like, oh my god, what I kind of think, what what's this weird guy taking a photo of this thing for? Like I there's part of me in London that's gone that way. Whereas before when I was younger, I was compl- I did not give a fuck. Like I really didn't care. I was really there was a uh, an innocence, uh, whatever you call it, bravado. But but as I, as like I'm now touching fifty, there's definitely a different approach in terms of, uh, and I think that's a, sometimes I think fuck. We I feel a bit guilty for that. I feel like why is that, why society made me feel that way? Why have we kind of been? But does that bring condition- a, a maturity and a complexity to your work, or do you think it just gets in the way? 
I sometimes I think you should just go out and photograph what you see and how you feel. That's kind of what I I believe. Like I think this, if you can, if you can somehow. Um, what's the word, um, transfer how you're feeling into a set of images. And that's a marvellous thing. But like, when, when, like, I also think there's something with experience and knowledge that, that enriches the work as well. I think that they're, they're both sides of the same coin in a way, right? That, yeah. That, you know, but if, I'm still not sure. Like, I know we've had this chat before, but I, I don't know, unless you're in a very specific situation, I don't know that your your feelings as a photographer really are imbued in that photo. Uh, maybe they're not. I I, I feel like it's, you read a lot of it as well. Everybody will read them as a viewer, right, right? More than a more than a photographer. Like mm-hmm. you've got a picture. Who's this behind you? The Jim Mottram. So this Jim Mortra, we don't know what Jim was thinking at this exact time. We can we can see we what he that. was seeing. Do you know, that's a, that's a, you just hit on an amazing point, but we don't know that about any photograph that exists on planet Earth. But that that was that's right? what I was saying. Like, I don't there's know. No, there's, I don't think there's don't any. Know how, we can we can try and judge how they we feel. We can quite kind of try and put our own biases and our own worldviews onto those photographs, and then yeah, you know, yeah. But how relevant it is all of these. Yeah, how, how important in is that, it? Yeah, in that uh, if you produce something, I I don't really focus on what the photographer was feeling, uh, what it was his frame of mind or her frame of mind or whatever. I look at the photographs uh, and, and I see what they suggest to me. Then if I want to write about the photography, if I want to research about the photographer, yeah. and brrr, then the focus is not as much the photograph, but he is the photographer as an artist, as an author. But the photograph, to me, I, I, I really, you know, I focus on the photograph. Then whatever the state of mind, whatever was thinking, whatever was blah, blah, becomes on a second uh, uh, plane that's, of that, the... That's the curse of the, being the photographer, right? That's exactly why somebody else needs to review your edit. Because there's too much of you in there. Like you have you have a sentimental attachment. Like, so this is one of Paul's photos. Now, Beautiful. the way I read this is probably very different to the way Paul reads it because I don't know what frame of mind Paul was in. I don't know what frame of mind I was in. That's the interesting part. You've forgotten. Yeah, I don't know how I was feeling the moment I took that photo, right? In fact, this proves that it's not that important. Yeah, isn't it? It doesn't it, right? I mean, that's an amazing... Wow, that's like a real that's revelation it. to me, that we've been We've been having this chat for like... <laughs> that's like the biggest revelation ever, right? Whoa, maybe, <laughs> will you be my dad? <laughs> amazing. It is, that's so, that's so true, right? It is, like you don't... you. Can you remember how you were feeling? No, I know. I, I, I don't, I can't remember why for breakfast this morning. Like I, and, and it's afterwards, it's in the edit that you're putting that feeling together, right? It's when you see, yeah. maybe. Yes. A sequence can make me feel something. So a book, if I flick through somebody else's sequence and I'm, I'm getting that, I don't want to call it a narrative because it sounds kind of cliched, but I, I, I'm, I'm feeling the vibe that they put on the paper. Yeah. That to me can give me a feeling, but one specific frame I don't know what was going through their head. Can you, can you, but there's loads of single images that are mind blowing, right? And then. Oh, absolutely. There's, there's stuff that I look at as a viewer and it makes me feel something, but that's a different conversation to what was the photographer feeling? Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I know what I feel when I see something and that's to me what a good photo is. 
I, I very rarely see that in my own work. You think a good photo is, is something that, that resonates me, to a lot of people? No, I don't give a fuck what a lot of people think. It's what does it mean to me, mm. right? I, I see, I don't know, you walk around the Tate Modern, right? If we just take general art, what's um, Michelle Duchamp's, um, um, is it Michael Duchamp? I don't know. Uh, the, the urinal, right? Yeah, okay. He's definitely not Michael. It's, it's, not Michelle. it's Michelle. It's Michelle. It's okay. Michelle. I don't know. See, I'm just we my call dyslexia. Michael for now. This is my dyslexia. Oi, Mike. Oi, Mike. <laughs> that makes people feel a certain way, right? And that's that's why it's good. You don't have to agree that you would have it in your house or that you would buy it for your own I private collection. I've got one if you want to look at mine. You're your own urinal. But do you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I think if you can elicit a response from someone, whether that's positive, negative... Uh, feelings of that's nostalgia. That's what you're trying to do maybe as an artist though, right? Right. It, that, that's, but that's what the good photo does. It makes you as a viewer feel something and what you feel and what the next person feels might be completely different and that's okay, but that's what makes it good. And this, this is this, this idea of good that we talked about loads, right? And I know we've, we've gone round in circles about good and what's a good photo. And I, I just think it's such a difficult, I mean, I've, you've, you must have read loads of books on what's a good photo, but it, it's, it's, I don't think anyone agrees. I think, I but weirdly look. we can all look through stuff and we can all pick things out. And I think maybe 80, 90% of the time, we probably all agree on what good is. And yet we can't decide what, you know what I mean? That, that's also very strange. When you, mm. if you lay out a lot of photos in front of people, a lot of people will pick the same stuff. Do you think, do you think, oh, I don't know, do you think, for instance, an experience, I mean, let's say Mimi to a student, right? I yeah. don't know that they would pick the same stuff at that point, would they? Uh, okay, right. If you're talking people that maybe don't have much experience, then like what I would pick versus what Mimi, I'd, I'd just go with your pick. <laughs> I, Mimi just, that is my do, do, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I think the, the, the lack of experience there probably does change things and maybe your eye isn't quite in whatever that means. But I, I think if you take people that have shot a lot, I, I think a lot of the time they pick the same things a lot of the time. Mm, I so don't know. There's, there's some taste there and I'm not saying it's a hundred percent. I don't know that they would. I don't know that they would. Are these inclinations as well? As what what, is it that, that is your interest? Are we talking about which kind of photography? You, I don't know. What's, yeah, the if, if we, what's, what's the purpose at if, the end of it? But if we all look through like an Alex Webb photo book right now, I guarantee at every turn of the page, all three of us will be like, yeah, that's fucking incredible. That's a good photo. I don't think there'll be many where one of us is like, I'm not so sure about this one. Yeah. So there is something to it. Like there is an agreement. It's the same as music, right? There's lots of music where you might not like folk or you might not like country or jazz or something but you'll hear it and you'll go well i know it's good i can't enjoy it but i understand i i, I hear what's appealing to yeah me. okay okay yeah 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 you don't have to enjoy it but i think most can, people can see something and go there's something there like this jim mortram behind you it's, it's an incredible frame or well, the that's dan wood right dan wood very yeah. early dan wood actually yeah. that, that's really brilliant and then trent 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 the fucking man. <laughs> I just think that, um, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Photographs. I just, I just like looking at them. <laughs> just, it's, 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 it's a somehow satisfying. It's almost like you, it? it puts me into a more hypnotic state where you're sort of daydreaming and Absolutely. you're in, you're in this kind of place, you know, where it just forces you to think. 
what what I mean I I quite I kind of always like asking questions of them. What are they trying to tell me? What do they mean? Do they mean anything at all? Um that's the booty in it, I think, right? That's why you do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I th- in fact, let's talk about the beauty and things and why we do them. Maybe. What so is one tiny thing that brings you joy? One tiny thing that brings you joy? Do you want an example? Me? You can give you an example. Go on, Dan. Uh, oh, my God. You were about to... Oh, hang on. I should have lined that up. Um, so I like f- the smell of freshly cut grass. I see. I see. I see. Oh, ooh, there is plenty of things. There is also an Italian guy called Francesco Piccolo. Yeah. Uh, who wrote a book about small pleasures in life. Okay, okay. You know, so I'm really uh, tuned in uh, this thing. <laughs> Has it been translated to English? No, 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 no. Oh, my God. He's, he's a great I, screenwriter. I, I, uh, need, I need to learn Italian just so oh, I can read he, this. this. This book is fantastic and he's hilarious, you know. Like, I like uh, to win uh, arguments with my wife. This gives me a massive pleasure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I want that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I like when I come uh, into bed and my sheets uh, are uh, cold and I can uh, feel uh, fresh <laughs> and nice and cozy up. I like when I pee after I have hold it for a while and feel <laughs> the release. That's such a good one. I like uh, the, the first <laughs> puff of the cigarette. I like uh, uh, when the sun... Uh, it warms my face. I like the smile of my daughter. There are zillions of tiny yeah. and enormous things that give me uh, daily pleasures. So it's uh, it's uh, a big uh, big thing. I mean, we could stay here hours uh, and rewrite the books, uh, the book that I I, I I mentioned just before. But yeah, I mean, there are a lot of things. One thing that I like is. You know, oh, what many? You know, the sound of the Hasselblad when I shoot. Oh yeah, that's I like that's six as well. Why you said I, I'm going to bring you up on something you said earlier? This 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 dislike of digital. What's what's and and, and okay. This this has been like this is another question that's come up a lot of it on this show is this difference between digital and film and the emotional difference mm-hmm. that you will get maybe from a film photograph to a digital photograph and do you think there's a difference do you think bah, not much not i mean much. i i don't dislike uh, digital at all i think it's really useful uh, and it works perfectly fine i mean we could have uh, argued with digital versus analog back in 2005 yeah when digital was uh, sucked yes. now <laughs> digital is great so I don't have any more an issue on the quality and feel and this and that. And I don't even believe that analog slows you down because if you were to be slowed down by a little tool, a little machine, you would be having so problems. True. It's you know? true, right? It's true. It's so I don't get slowed down by yeah, analog. So I think my bank balance slows me down when I shoot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> But maybe it's the, the tool that you work with. I mean, Hasselblad is definitely slowing you down because of the typology of the tool. But a 35 mil doesn't slow you down. And even then, this to me is not really relevant. I like to work with film because of other number of factors which are personal, which are maybe futile, but to me they still make sense. And for instance, I love working with film because of the um, 
the materiality of it because of uh, being able to print in the darkroom, uh, because of the ability to work with contact sheets, um, because of uh, how you archive uh, your stuff and potentially uh, these things having uh, also a market value in the future. But then again, this is, you know, you can have the value that you decide to emphasize upon is not really, to me, a matter of, uh, yes, digital, not digital, yes, analog, not, you know, I don't have an answer and I, quite frankly, don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's also a matter of uh, money. Do I have the money to invest on a new digital asset? Blood? No. Do I have the money to spend for my roles? Yes. Will I spend more in roles than what would I have spent if I would have invested all the lump sum of money into I, a new I, digital asset? Time, right? I would have spent, and I did spend a lot more. But do I have those sort of money in one go, boom, to buy a thing? No. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. for me, it, 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 it really comes down onto practical things. Then when you are in front of photographs and you look at an amazing uh, uh, photograph uh, uh, enlargement print that results from a negative and you find the beauty in that, welcome, it's beautiful, I love it, I appreciate it, I value it, I know how to recognize it, but to me, it's not fundamental. To me, the, these things are a bit uh, like that. You know... I wish I could say, like, you listen to an old vinyl and you have uh, a different feel yeah, than yeah. a digital MP3, yeah. clean, possibly soulless uh, output. But you can measure again, the difference between those. Yeah, but then again, isn't it the song that ultimately is the song that you like to listen to or not? I mean, uh, you can listen to... Uh, Etta James uh, or Billie Holiday in an old uh, scratchy uh, vinyl and you can find all the nostalgia and romanticism in it and if it, this has value for you then welcome, that's fantastic I do tune in to this perfectly, but it's not fundamental Yeah, it's not the most important no. thing So mm -hmm. equally and even less actually with photography where you don't have that kind of thing there are photographers that were, you know, the tradition of uh, expressionism uh, in photography with uh, Martin Bogren, Lorenzo Castore, uh, Olivier Pinfat, um, and uh, Antoine Dagata, uh, and Michael Ackerman have that kind of rogue vinyl kind of analog feel to it, dirty, mm -hmm. uh, suffered output no and it makes sense in that kind of work totally but mm. other than, and 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 you would be surprised on how they produce those outputs you would think that uh, is all analog and is not there are other means going on mm. other processes that uh, allow that output to have that kind of feeling and is not always involving analog versus digital so then again i don't know it's just tools, right? Yeah, you don't absolutely. See, you don't see carpenters arguing absolutely. over whether or not... And the tools are important of as long as they serve you. Mm. So obviously, I would not want to uh, screw a screw with a hammer, <laughs> yes. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Then how relevant is to the whatever thing, as long as the frame doesn't fall off, then I've done my job. 
but I will use a hammer for a nail and I will use a screwdriver for a screw. The right tool for the job. Mm. Get me. Mm. Interesting. Do you want to do some shouts? Yeah, okay, okay. So whenever we get somebody on, Mimi, we like to have a little chat about some work we've been enjoying recently. It doesn't have to be photography. It could be music. It could be painting. It could be writing. It could be anything at all. Just something, it doesn't have to be deep or profound, just something you've been enjoying. The creative act, a way of being by the, the maestro, that's Rick Rubin. Um, he's all over the social media, Rick Rubin, these days, isn't he? Yeah, he's <laughs> been doing the rounds. Uh, yeah, he's been on all the podcasts, right? He went on Joe Rogan a few times. And it's really... And, ah, Rick Rubin, uh, the, the genius producer. Yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah and yeah. it's really, really... It's like short, short paragraphs and just... It's just really good. It's just... Re- I'm only about halfway through and I'm just really really enjoying it yeah. it's like simple it's not written in a complicated manner um it's it's it makes sense when you're reading you're like oh wow that God, that makes sense. yeah have you had a few epiphanies reading yeah this? and i just um let me see if i can give you shall i see see if i can pull something it's not unusual for science to catch up to art eventually nor is it unusual for art to catch up to the spiritual yeah okay I'll leave it at that, <laughs> but it's good. No, it's, it's really good. good. I, really enjoy it. No, I'm going to have a borrow of that. I'm I'm interested. You I'm like interested. it? Yeah. I, yeah, I do like Rick Rubin. You know more about Rick Rubin than I do, to be honest with He's, you. Mate, his discography is ridiculously good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, the amount of records that you would probably put in your top 10 that have him as a producer. Interestingly enough, crazy. I was watching a documentary this week on BBC and he was with, uh, what's... British rapper, woman, poet, poet, Kai, uh, what's her name? Damn it, damn You're it. Baby Kay? Oh, no, she, Baby Kay is Italian. She's um, thinking of British. No, no, she's white and she's like grand, a bit long. Ah, Kage Tempest. Tempest, yeah. Kay Tempest. Kay Tempest. I saw a documentary with where Rick Rubin was with Kay Tempest and they were basically, she went out to California or wherever it is that okay. he has a studio and um, they basically, they were in a room for like, over 96 hours and he was Rick Rubin kept coming back and saying no that's not it that's not it that's not it that's not it and then eventually like they have a moment where it all comes together and he walks in he goes that's it that's it and, and it's, that's what, like it's just mind blowing you've got to watch it it's really good it's he, really he produces like a director like so a, he's eliciting a, an emotion from the artist yeah it's amazing to watch that it's like such a real skill like it's it's he's so talented he and really he's is. like, you can tell that he's fe- like, he's feeling it, right? He's feeling it. It's, it's, it's emotional for him. I just, it's, it's, it's really good. He's tapped all the way in. Yeah, yeah. It is. So that's the other thing. I'll do a second shout out. Kai Tempest documentary with uh, Rick Rubin on BBC. It's good. Okay. Okay. Watch out that hour as well. There's an exhibition literally in my town at the moment. Um, two photographers that have been working in the Medway area. I've seen this work already. You know what? It's about it's documentary street, right? It's like yeah, portraits yeah, on yeah. the street of Rochester. So it's uh, Joshua Atkins and yes. Daniel Loveday. Yes, it's fucking incredible. Like it's so good. It makes me wonder what the hell I'm actually doing, like working in Medway, seeing as these two are already on it. Like wow. it's that good. It's seriously, seriously good. So if you get a chance to go to Rochester in the uh, in the tourist information centre, there's this little glass room that's been kind of I don't know walled off. And there's just this little pop-up exhibition in there. I say little, there's actually quite a lot of photos, but it's just, I spent a little while in there. I think I was in there for about 
half an hour, there's 45 another, minutes. It's there's really another good. There's, like, there's, there's actually a bit of a rich vein of form coming out of Medway at the moment. In fact, it? I better tell you what the there's, exhibition's there's, called. Upon the High Street. Okay, there's David O'Mara's down your way. There's yeah, the, David these O'Mara's two guys, there's you, there's Riccardino, what's his name? Yeah, Ricard, Zara, Ricard. there's Zara Carpenter. Um, I'm ready. You're ready. Yeah. He's ready. Yeah. Come on. Okay, first of all, a piece of music, Coffee Cold by Gal- uh, Galt McDermott. Okay, okay. The Defiant Ones, The Defiant Ones documentary on uh, um, uh, Jimmy Yovine, Dr. Dre, and Eminem. Mm. Which is oh, beautiful. Seen talking, this yet. talking of uh, of uh, uh, producers and talking about the uh, film direction. This is a great documentary. Uh, then there is uh, the exhibition of uh, Sujimoto at the Hayward Gallery. Okay. Amazing. Okay. Then there is uh, 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 a book uh, of uh, uh, a great photographer artist uh, Dragana Jurisic. Uh, of um, of which I forgot I the title. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of my overall, something like that. It's a beautiful book on a personal experiences. Then uh, uh, Trent Park book, uh, uh, massive monument. Monument, yeah. yeah, that's a great book. Then I there that. is, uh, then there are a book that showed me yesterday. Ramon, well, Ramon Peds, book designer, uh, is a great genius. Um, and the book they just the, the latest book they done with Anders Peterson yeah, is beautiful. Then, in terms of uh, whatever, let's space out a bit f- out of photography, possibly. I guess, no, you have a favorite book you've seen this year as well, you know, like a photo book that's come across this year that you go, that's mind blowing. Well. Oof. Put you on the spot now, haven't I? Martin Bogren, I'm in love with. I mean, he's, he's, he's got some books that are mind-blowing. But I like, uh, there's too many to too mention. Many, too many, too many. Too many to mention, too many that I bought. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, uh, it's it's incredible. Highlight this year has been the workshop that I've run in uh, in Palermo with Martin Parr, which yeah, was talk, talk fantastic. A li- talk a little bit about your workshops and how that, because that, you, you do them out in Palmero, right? In Sicily, right? Palermo, non Palmero. <laughs> Sorry, by Palmero. Uh, Palermo. Uh, yeah, I, well, in Palermo and in, in my countryside, I, okay. do, I run two different kind of workshops. One is in the countryside, it's called the CC Photo Master Class. And it's me joined by two special guest tutors, which are whether an academic, a photographer, an editor, a designer, a publisher, so that really over the years, this becomes truly like a masterclass. Mm. Okay? You join once and you already have enormous benefits mm-hmm. because you have three different perspectives on your work and also you get to build your own small series. Um, but it's really when you join uh, for several years that you get the maximum of this experience because it's really it's you can you you can participate every year and have a totally different experience from the from the, the previous, previous year right you know as i said uh, last year we had uh, um well last edition we had edmund clark and uh, martina bacicalupo editor of uh, simua magazine now we're gonna have uh, david company and maria matta uh, before we had Ellen Binet and Lucy Conticello, Ellen Binet photographer uh, and uh, Lucy Conticello editor of N, uh, M of Le Monde. So there is a variety of people that come. 
Um, and then the Palermo one is usually me and, uh, yes, another uh, special guest tutor always to offer something, something more different. to the... Uh, participants, but the, the, there I have more of a hand in that then they stay with me practically, you know, the workshop goes for How long six, is the workshop? They, but they're both for around six days. Okay, that's really a cool. A week, yeah. Are you knackered afterwards? You come away totally, exhausted? Like. I'm totally drained. Uh, in fact, uh, commercially speaking, it would make sense to run two back-to-back, but I know I couldn't do it. Because I have to re- recharge, otherwise yeah. I, you know, I die. And also <laughs> because I want to offer the best I, I have and, and you cannot offer anything when you're drained. So, but they're both very different and very beautiful. But last last one in Palermo with Martin Parr has just been magical. Yeah. A group of photographers that were mind-blowing. The engagement was beyond imagination. Uh, Martin Parr has been the genius and great person that he is. He's been, uh, as usual, super generous, super insightful, and uh, just a delight to be with. So they've been really, really beautiful. And for me, yes, that has been one of the highlights this year, actually, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine was one of your mentors, wasn't he? Sorry? Martin was one of your mentors, wasn't he? Yeah, he still is somehow, you know. He's He's very tough. Don't expect to have any any uh, falsity coming from him. But it's from a place of love, right? Is is oh, he he wants you to be the best version of yeah yeah yeah, and and that is what a mentor should be doing. Yeah, you know, I've been uh, you know for me the 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 people that mean mean the most in photography for me personally that have built me one is Helen Binet. Uh, she's a, a sheer genius and a great friend of mine, and, and her work is uh, mind-blowing. Uh, Martin Parr, um, David Company, Kate Edwards from the Guardian Weekend magazine. Yeah, she's a, such a, a wonderful person and um, loving character. Yeah, these these are amazing. But then also so many other influential people that are both young, uh, uh, upcoming editors of photographers and super established uh, um, personalities that are, you know, making my life uh, way better than than what it would be without them. You know, so I, I thank all of them to be, you know, honest friends, uh, guides. Uh, Mentors, it's it's been. But Helen, Martin, uh, David, uh, Kate, uh, they they have meant a lot. Also, Ian Sinclair is a great friend of mine that has been really uh, a fantastic guide for me. Mm. Do you still do your photo meet thing as well? Is it? Do you well, still... we will uh, again this uh, this spring. This spring, okay. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it's been really complicated uh, after COVID because all the locations that were with, you know, first the one that we had, right, that was gone. Uh, they, you know, everything it became more expensive. Landlords uh, uh, put up the prices of the rent. Institutions need to break down big rooms and uh, rent them as uh, artist studios. Some others became uh, work uh, co-working places with wankers 
uh, going from a desk to another one with a laptop on one end and a coffee on the other one. How many coffees do they fucking drink every day? I don't get it. <laughs> you know? Could they will have, a, I don't know, yeah, brain yeah. cancer in the future. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck is. How can they do that? And in the meantime, I cannot re- hire a, a, a cheap place for the photomeat. And for me, photomeat is all about articulating my socialist view mm. on offering the best for the least amount of money possible. Mm-hmm. So I want the photographers to access the best reviewers uh, and the best uh, uh, artist talks and events to a very reasonable price. I want to pay the most I can, the reviewers that come and the artists that come and uh, talk at Photomeet. And this is not possible when the overheads become... Uh, unmanageable yeah yeah i mean let alone myself i i never really earned money with photomeat myself mm-hmm. uh very 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 ridiculous little crazy amount of uh, revenue for me mm-hmm. um, but that's not the point of photomeat the fo- point of photomeat is to create a community yeah thing. yeah so i i might have identified a really good uh, um venue which might still be reasonable. Uh, we are partnering with a, with another institution, and this is something I cannot say at the moment, but we are working with this wonderful institution, and we might bring back Photomeet this spring, so watch mm. this space. Exciting. Where yeah. can people follow along and find out when this news hits? Uh, Offspring Photomeet is uh, the Instagram handle, uh, but uh, you know, Mimi Mollica, it's uh, the, the a hotbed of activity. Yeah, I mean, you you can you can you know there are newsletters. Th- well, which we don't sell because we don't want to bother people. But uh, you can sign up, and then whenever the big news comes, uh, we we of course inform people. Uh, but yeah, social media I think is the best, the most immediate uh, means uh, to get the this kind of uh, news. Is, yeah, a lot of work, but you know, it's worth it though, right? Well, I don't know if it's worth it, but uh, <laughs> I, I think it's a beautiful thing bringing people together, ah, talk about sure, this thing this that sure. they love. I think it's I this think is it's really it. satisfying, and you know the things that came out from photo uh, from photo meet, they are incredibly beautiful, really beautiful. People that got together, books been done, exhibitions been done, photographers been commissioned, having found. Um, you know, glorious careers in both editorial and commercial photography. So it's been really beneficial for the community as a whole. And, uh, you know, from several different perspectives, it's really satisfying. But I work too much. (laughs) I I know, you're a busy man. You look like you're a busy man, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know... Whatever. Hey. I like this book. You like this book. Thank you. Thank you. This is really beautiful. It's a book by Paul Benz and it's a series of uh, profile pictures, close up, well, not close up, but uh, close in, uh, profile looking on the, towards the left, towards the gut of the book, and they all share this uh, very cinematographic kind of reddish warm light. They must be in the bus or something. Um, in the cars or cars yeah ah at the red traffic light 
Yeah. So they could be the drivers and he could have been the passenger. You should call this taxi. Mm. Beautiful, beautiful little book by Paul Benz. Another <laughs> highlight of the year. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mimi. Thank you so much, Mimi. Yeah, really appreciate, appreciate, you, really coming, appreciate you coming on. Yeah, you can keep up to date with Mimi on social media. We'll link that in the show notes. You can keep up to date with what we're doing on social media at Idle Hand Society. Uh, sign up to the newsletter for the latest on we're doing a, a meetup. Uh, like a little critique. It won't just be photographers because we're all about all art on the Idle Hand Society. So we've got loads of painters that we've had on. We've got uh, musicians, artists, musicians, graphic designers, directors. Yeah. Yeah. Creative directors. Yeah. I think that that's one of the things that's been really interesting about doing this, right? Is that the talking to other artists who have different art perspectives is mm. that. It, we're all kind of pushing towards the same place. Yeah, fundamentally. we've all got a lot to learn from each other. Yeah, there's something amazing about that cross-pollination. I like it. It's cool. Um, yeah, it's been amazing. Um, we're gearing up for the end of the year now. Yeah, um, Christmas socks on. Christmas socks on. I should have worn my Christmas jumper today. I'm going to wear it tomorrow Tomorrow to university. We'd have seen it anyway. Mariah Carey. <laughs> Mariah Carey. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's the time. Yeah. <laughs> Tanya's been making her Christmas playlist and that's what's been pumping around the house. So I hate I'm fully in a festive spirit Chris, now. I hate Christmas music. I went to the Christmas market yesterday. I'm going to second. I, I, I have to stop you there. <laughs> come on, come on. No, there's a Stevie Wonder. What was Christmas? Someday Christmas. <laughs> oh, na, na, na. And that is not a shit song. It's beautiful. Okay, fairy Tale of New York, Pogue. What's his name? Shane McGowan just died, right? She yeah. a song, a snowman. Snow? Come oh, on. They I'm are too beautiful. Okay, that one you mean? No, it's not that one. <laughs> Which one? My snowman and me. Oh, there's a great, there's a great Italian song about the donkey. You know the uh, donkey one? No. Oh, it's great. Uh, it's called Dominic the Donkey. You don't know that? No. Oh my God. That's Christmassy. Yeah, yeah. I'll play it for you before you leave. Is it that okay. as Italian as Domino's Pizza? Excuse me? No, no, no. He's like... He might be. He <laughs> might be. It's definitely an Italian guy singing. Okay, I believe you. Okay. <laughs> Dominic the Donkey. Like that goes, you know? Okay, no. well, let's end it on that note. Yeah. That sounds like the perfect place to wrap up. <laughs> Thank you very much. We'll catch you in a couple. Louis. Cheers, Mimi. Mm-hmm.